to The Plant Pod, Grow Your Mind, Feed Your Soul. I'm your host, Carly Bodrug, journalist turned food blogger and the founder of the plant-based brand, Plant You. Have you ever felt like you were shopping and buying things just because you're bored? Or maybe you feel like you need the newest style of jeans, guilty, or workout machine to keep up with your favorite social media influencer? Well, today we're talking about breaking that cycle and living more with less. I'm super excited to be welcoming author Courtney Carver to the podcast, who is an expert in this space. Courtney's the author of Soulful Simplicity and most recently Project 333, the minimalist fashion challenge, which has been featured in Vogue and Oprah magazines, as well as her simplicity blog, bemorewithless.com. We discuss how reassessing our relationships with the things we buy or own can truly transform your life, igniting confidence, financial freedom, and better health. Before we dig in, I just want to remind you that if you're listening and you're really enjoying it and you take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, remember to tag Courtney at Be More With Less and me at Plant You so we can share the love. And of course, your five-star reviews literally mean the world to me and the success of this podcast. I can't thank you all enough for your support thus far. Without further ado, welcome Courtney to The Plant Pod. It's great to be here. I'd love to start by hearing about your journey and how you came to this idea of living your life more simply. Uh, Well, I'd love to say that it just came to me and I thought it would be a great lifestyle change, but actually that's not what happened. In fact, I needed a really loud wake up call to change my life because I had ignored so many for so long. And the one that actually woke me up and really pushed me into change was being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2006. And it came on the heels of months and months of really weird symptoms like vertigo and extreme fatigue and tingling in my hands and my face and really things that I had had before, but never all at once. And so one at a time, they were easily explained. Oh, it must be an ear infection or must be stress or always something else. And finally, uh, there was enough going wrong at once that I was able to get a diagnosis. And that diagnosis really set like years and years of life changes into motion. So after this diagnosis, do you think it caused you to take an audit of what really mattered in your life? Nope. (laughs) Uh, Eventually that happened, but at first it was, okay, Well, the very first, I should say, it was a lot of fear and uncertainty and just being very afraid and not knowing what to do. But pretty quickly, I just really wanted to learn about MS and how people live well with MS and what changes I might need to make so that could happen. And what I learned in my initial research was that stress was really the overwhelming factor in um, a lot of exacerbations and relapses and decline for MS patients and people with autoimmune conditions. And if we think about it, really everything, I mean, if you're run down and you don't feel well and you're stressed out, you can get sick. Uh, So my initial goal was not to simplify my life, but to eliminate stress. And I didn't know how to do that or what that would look like. So I just looked at like, what is the most stressful thing, or what is the thing I think would make the biggest difference in my life? And I started there. And then once that thing kind of felt like the new normal, 
I thought, what's next? What else is really stressful in my life and how can I turn that around? And so it was really this inch by inch, step-by-step process that looked at everything in my life from what I ate to what I owned, to what I spent, to what I owed, to the work that I did and just how I engaged in my life overall. So do you think the things that we surround ourselves, even in our home, the clothes we accumulate, the the things we inevitably pick up almost every day at stores, do you think these are stressors? Of course. And in different ways, because I think they end up being stressful because they're around us and we have to take care of them. And at some point we don't really care about them. And yet there they are reminding us of why we bought them, when we bought them, what we spent on them. And then I think we use sometimes shopping and and buying things to, at least I did, to reduce stress. I thought that was a stress reducer. Like I had a bad day. I'm going to go blow off steam and buy things and make myself feel better. And that just contributed to my debt and discontent really, because I was always looking for something on the outside because of the way I was feeling on the inside. And that never works. Like we can't fix the inside with the outside. You mentioned paying off debt and how this plays into the conversation of living more simply. Do you think it was that diagnosis that made you want to take care of that aspect? I think it did take that. And I mean, I'm hopeful that I would have come to it on my own, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, I think sometimes we get so comfortable in the life that we're living, even if that life is really uncomfortable in some ways, but it's what we know and maybe what we think we deserve and, or, or just like, this is it, this is adulting. Like we work jobs we don't like, we spend too much money, we drink too much, we eat too much. We are always trying to make ourselves feel better in some way, but all of that making ourselves feel better is making things worse in the long run. And so this was like an immediate press pause. Like now you have permission to decide how you're going to feel and how you're going to treat yourself. And of course, there were no guarantees that any of these changes I made were going to impact my health in one way or the the other. But thankfully it did. I mean, all the changes I made impacted me in a positive way. Um, But I did need that wake up call because I could have just carried on And everything would have been okay. And I'm sure a lot of people are living okay lives and that's great. Uh, But when you realize that you do have more power and that you do deserve better than the next thing that you're going to buy, you can really change things. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking to themselves, I mean, immediately I think of when you talk about like buying as a stress relief you don't have the store winners in the States, but you have Marshall's and like Ross's dress for less, but I go to like winners and I walk around and I feel like it's a stress reliever. But on the other side of that, when you walk away with bags of things that you really didn't need, didn't intend to buy, then it's in your home piling up. It does, (laughs) does create stress. So how do you, I mean, how do you break that cycle? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways you could do it. 
Um, for me, a big shopping place was clothes and anything that goes in my closet, accessories, um, jewelry, shoes, definitely. And even when I started simplifying and decluttering, I didn't start there because I didn't want to stop adding things to my closet and to my wardrobe because I thought I deserve new clothes. Like you have to wear clothes. It was kind of an easy purchase justification. And I was, I, I thought I needed new clothes for different events, for work, for life in general, new seasons, new emotions, whatever. I had a reason for buying new clothes. And for me, it had to be a hard stop, like no more shopping for a while to figure out what I really wanted and needed and why I was doing that. And what might be a better option. Do you feel like the way we now live as a society, like working a nine to five job, coming home to live your entire life on two days on the weekend, and then using that job as a means to purchase these products that we don't need, do you feel like we have kind of gone too far? I don't know. I mean, I hate to think of it as like natural or unnatural or normal right. or not normal because I, like there's a time and place for everything. And I think all of this, these stages that we go through are teaching us something. Um, but I think it can get really numbing, especially if we're not loving that job that we're in and we don't feel like it's contributing to us or we are contributing to, to it, but it's just this cycle. Like as soon as, or, 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 wheel that we're on. And as soon as we, it really clicks for us that we're just running in circles and going nowhere, that's when it gets really damaging. And I think there's a long time between realizing that and making a change. And it's that stretch of time that is especially hard because we know we want something different, but it's just so much easier to not deal with it. I'm curious what life looked like for you before your massively successful blog and your books. Did you have a different kind of corporate job? Yeah. I mean, I spent most of my life in, in different jobs and some that I liked parts of, but didn't like other parts of. And the job that I left eventually to do my own thing was actually ironically in advertising sales. So working for magazines with companies, you know, creating ads to sell stuff to people, um, which <laughs> always cracks me up now that it's been, you know, more than 10 years to think about that and what a disconnect that was for me at the end, because I didn't leave that, that work until 2011. And I really started making the shift several years before. Uh, so it was a challenge for sure. And going back to this debt that you overcame, do you feel that paying off your debt was a product of simplifying your life as in simply not buying as much things? No, no. I mean, yes. And there was a lot of debt. So it was working a program and being thoughtful about it and just focusing on that for a few years uh, to pay that down because it was between student loans and cars and credit cards. It was a lot, tens of thousands of dollars. So it took time. That must have felt like a massive relief when that went to zero. Well, I'll tell you, it definitely was, but it was a massive relief 
when I made that first payment on my tiniest credit card too, because I knew that I was setting things into motion and that I was making a change. And that made a really big difference for me in all future changes, because instead of doing the same thing where I used to wait until I had hit that magic, like success day of accomplishing whatever it was to celebrate I started celebrating almost immediately. Like, oh my gosh, you are doing this right now. This is something to be excited about. And that in turn gave me momentum to continue. You're most well-known for your amazing online community. I hope I can call it that. Project 333. Can you tell our listeners about this and how it's cascaded to this massive phenomenon? Yeah, so this is actually how I, I started this shopping fast around clothing is it was in 2010. <clears throat> I had already simplified a lot of my life, but like I said, didn't want to do the clothing thing. And I knew that I needed some kind of challenge or like a start date and an end date. So it wasn't like, I'm never shopping again, um, but what am I going to do? Like, what is the thing? And so I just made up some rules for this challenge called project 333. And the 333 stands for three months and 33 items. So for three months, I committed to wearing only 33 items, including clothing, shoes, jewelry, and accessories, um, not counting things like, um, sleepwear, underwear, Uh, workout clothes don't count as long as your workout clothes are working out. Um, If you're using them in like your day-to-day life, like right now I have uh, pink leggings on. I count those in my 33 items because I'm not wearing them for yoga. I'm wearing them to be in all day long, which is great as long as I'm counting them towards those, that 33 items. And then also during those three months, Um, everything else gets boxed up and put somewhere else. So you don't see it every day. You don't have to get rid of it or even make those decisions. Like, what should I donate? What should I sell? What should I keep? Just get it out of sight. And then don't bring anything in new for those three months, unless like there's, you know, something is beyond repair or doesn't fit, then replace it. Like this isn't a project in suffering by any means. And what was so great is, all the thinking about it was so hard. Like I thought this is never going to work. I was still working um, for the magazines I talked about. And I was like, people are going to notice. I'm not going to have enough. I'm going to miss shopping. Um, And none of those things happened. I had enough. Nobody noticed. And I was so much freer from even more than I thought, you know, not only was I not spending money on clothes and having those like high lows around shopping, but I didn't have as much decision fatigue because I wasn't trying to decide what to wear. I felt better overall because I didn't realize there was so much emotion tied up in my closet and in all of those clothes, like even though I pretty much wore the same things every day anyway, I was still sorting through all those poor purchase decisions, the stuff I spent too much money on, things people gave me and I never wore and I felt guilty about that, um, things that didn't fit. I still had to look at that every day. And so when it was gone, there was just like this immediate relief, uh, which was kind of an unexpected benefit. And then after you had completed the challenge, did you get rid of 
all of the stuff that you weren't wearing? Not all of it. In fact, it took me a couple of years because again, I really did create this as a personal challenge and shared it with blog readers during the first few months of blogging. So I had no expectations that it would be anything but that. And it worked so well in my life that I decided to keep doing it. And it resonated with so many people that it really took on a life of its own outside of me as well. And outside of my work, you know, people were incorporating this into their own lives. And then I felt even more excitement to continue. So here we are more than 10 years later. And every three months I choose my 33 items and then I don't think about it again. And again, it took two or three years, probably like at the end of every season, I would go through that stuff that I hid. And then I could make more clear decisions about what to hold on to and what to let go of because I didn't have that emotional attachment of seeing it every day. Like I put so much importance on it or or what it was or what it meant or what it would do for me or how it would make me look. And instead I could just see it in the box and think, oh no, why was I ever wearing that in the first place and easily let it go. How do you deal with sentimental items? You talked about like stuff people had given you, or maybe you have something from your mom or something. Like, how do you, how do you handle items like that? So in the beginning, it was really challenging for me to even think about letting go of sentimental items because I saved everything. I mean, I was such a saver of like little memories and mementos and, and things to remind me of things. I mean, I'm talking about since like grade school and then all through school and then into my adult life, like I always collected things and Um, so I saved that stuff for last. Like I, when I started decluttering, I didn't start with the hard stuff. So I left the sentimental stuff in the books for last. And by the time I got there, I had realized what an impact the stuff that I surround myself with has on me. And then I also realized that I wasn't surrounding myself with the sentimental stuff. It was stuffed in a box and put in my garage. Um, so I wasn't honoring those memories or connecting to them at maybe once in a while, if I went through the box. Uh, And so it became really easy to let it go and to hold on to a couple of things because I don't think less means nothing. So what were the things that I could hold on to and somehow incorporate into my life to give them the meaning that I thought they deserved. Uh, And then since then, since I have let go of so much, I did wonder like, will this make me less sentimental or will I care less about those memories that I wanted to preserve so much? And the truth is that no, like now I can really engage and, and remember things differently and in a different way and use the things that I held on to in a more powerful way. This all started with a diagnosis. So how I don't know if you can measure it, but how much has it impacted the state of your health simplifying things in that way? Well, I mean, I don't know how I would measure it because I don't think it's just impacted me with MS, but who knows where else, like that I started prioritizing my health and sleeping well and you know, eating foods that made me feel better and not focusing on the stuff that weighed me down, but instead creating a lighter atmosphere, like who knows? I mean, I have to think it benefited me in many ways, 
Um, and I've talked with, you know, my neurologist and my medical team on many different occasions and combined with conventional treatment, like they think it's been a big part of it because, I mean, it's clear that there is a mind body connection. So just, I think knowing and considering the idea that I've created this better environment has to be powerful. This might also be impossible to measure, but I'm curious how many people you think have participated in 333. Gosh, I mean, I've been saying tens of thousands for years uh, and all over the world. Like for a while, I thought maybe it was just North America. Like maybe we were the only ones with this problem of overstuffed closets, um, but it's not, it's everywhere. Um, I've heard from people from all over the world who are doing this challenge and some do it exactly by the rules. Some break the rules, which I adore. I think it's so great to be able to say, you know, I'm not going to throw out the whole thing just because I don't agree with this one little bit. So I'm going to shift that and make this challenge my own. Um, I encourage people to do that. So you've been living this way for several years now. What does your process look like if you do want a piece of clothing or you need something like you need a sweater or something? Yeah, it's changed a lot over the years. So, you know, prior to Project 333, I just bought what I wanted when I wanted and I could justify that purchase all the time. And then when I, after that first round of Project 333, I started to really think about what I enjoyed that I had in my collection and what I didn't enjoy and what I might want to add or subtract. And like every three months, I would give that some consideration. And where I used to probably shop every weekend or every other weekend at the least, then it became every three months. And now it's much less than that. So I don't need something new every three months even anymore. And when I do, it might be one thing because like my shoes wore out because I'm only wearing, you know, four pair of shoes instead of 40 pairs of shoes. Uh, and what's interesting is in the beginning, I used to try to be creative about it and think about what I really wanted to replace that item with. And now I usually just buy the same thing that I had before if I really enjoyed it. So I don't search for like a solution to my boredom through my clothes shopping anymore, which I think I did that a lot. Like, oh, I'm bored or something's off. I need a new whatever to spice things up or make things interesting or make me whatever. And now I realize that I couldn't shop my way out of boredom. Like the answer was being curious about what was really bugging me. It had nothing to do with what was in my closet, but just something else. And I had to do that digging and figure out what it was and still have to do that from time to time. Um, so now my process is just thinking about, like I don't just go browsing anymore and I have no interest in that. And that didn't happen right away, but it's just over time when you separate yourself from something, the interest eventually fades. And that's what happened with this. Like I have no interest in going shopping. Um, but if I need something, I'll figure out what that is before I start shopping. And then I'll look for that specific thing. Do you find this concept of living simply can be massively freeing financially because you're not kind of caught in that cycle of like the more you make, the more you spend? I think it's figuring out that middle part that's important. So I don't think there's any danger in making money unless you're using that money to 
relieve all the pain from making the money, <laughs> then it's just like total vicious circle. So why not like figure out why you want to make money and how you want to use that money to do good in your life or in the world and then take the next steps. But if you feel like you're trapped, which I kind of did for a long time, because you do get into this cycle where now you're in debt or now you've overspent, or now you're used to a certain lifestyle. So you have to hold on to that, like well-paying job to make ends meet, for instance. Um, but once you start getting rid of all the ends, then you can think about better, better things to do with the money. And maybe it's doing different work. Maybe it's making less, maybe it's making more and, and using it in different ways. So that, that solution is just something that I think everybody has to figure out for themselves, but with, whether it's that or anything else, the important thing is that everyone is pausing and asking those questions instead of just being on autopilot and thinking, well, this is what success looks like, or this is what my parents expect, or my parents did, or this is what all my neighbors are doing. Like it's, we finally get to ask these questions. Like, what do we really want? And I think once you have permission to do that, it opens up a lot of um, answers and more questions. I think we spend so much time um, of our free time consuming, right? Whether it's shopping or looking online and shopping online or going through Instagram and seeing ads. What do you do with your free time now? I mean, it, <laughs> I think there, I think the more I think about it, I think we spend so much time even debating I, between my fiance and I about buying stuff and whichever else. Yeah. It, well, I mean, this is a really strange time because I have more free time than ever. Like I think I was doing more traveling for instance, for a while. And now I'm just have a lot of free time, which I'm grateful for. I mean, there are people right now who are trying to balance kids and work and their school and their own health. And it's, I mean, I just have such admiration for people who are figuring that out. It's a lot. Um, so I feel grateful to have the time that I do. I take really long walks. I live in Salt Lake City. So we have fantastic hiking here. Um, I meditate. I do a lot of writing. I work quite a bit now, uh, but I really enjoy my work. So yeah, it's nice. I don't, I don't miss those. Like, should I buy this? should I wait till it's on sale? Is it worth it? And then you get it and then you have to return it because it's not right. And then like the whole thing was just, it was very time consuming. So if someone's listening and they're like, I'm on board, I want to start simplifying my life. Where do you suggest they start? Like, is there an area in the home that is good to tackle first? Well, I think they start with themselves and really figure out why they want to simplify first. So I think that especially now like spring cleaning articles are in abundance and decluttering uh, is all over the internet and it, it looks really appealing. And I did it plenty of times before I really decided to simplify for good, but I never knew why I was doing it. I just wanted that clean countertop feeling, you know, even if everything was just shoved underneath in a cabinet. Um, and then when I realized that what I really wanted out of this whole thing was, you know, better health, more love, more freedom, then it was much easier to consider what was adding to my life and what was removing me from my life. 
And those are the questions I still am asking today. Like, is this removing me from my life? If so, I'm removing it. And that's the best place to start. And then it can be anywhere. I mean, there is clutter in our lives, not just on our countertops and in our storage closets, but on our calendars, on our to-do lists, in our Instagram feed, in our Facebook feed, everywhere. So we can start reducing things pretty quickly to free up some space, which then gives you a little more room to, to re-ask those questions. Why am I doing this? What's adding value to my life? What's removing me from my life? And then keep doing that over and over again, slowly. Do you consider yourself, like we hear a lot, the buzz term minimalist, or do you prefer the term simple living? How do you kind of refer to this lifestyle that you've pursued and are now writing about on a daily basis? Yeah, I think I've always gravitated towards the word simplicity over minimalism, uh, but I don't think it matters what you call it. It's really what you're doing with it. So there's no, like, if you've always had too much stuff, having not enough stuff is not the answer either. So again, it's, um, yeah, it's for me, it's about simplifying and I don't mind minimalism, the idea of minimalism, but I think it can kind of put people off too, because they have this vision of what that might look like. And I always say, just bring that back to how you really want to live in your life and be in your life. Now that you've taken a step back from it, how does it make you feel seeing how many ads people are served in a day and this continuous cycle of kind of advertising than consumption? Yeah, I don't know. Because I think that we're all on different stages of this path. So I think it's less about getting rid of the ads, even though that'd be nice to be able to get rid of maybe half of them at least, <laughs> like cut down on the quantity because we are like constantly being advertised to. But instead, if we can spend more time working on ourselves and how we perceive them and react to them, I think that's better because there are things of value out there that are being offered to us, but are we going after them for the right reason? And are if the advertisers are trying to create a sense of fear or lack of in your life, why is that so easy for them to do? Like, why, what do we, what work can we do on ourselves so that it's not such a, such a pull? Do you think we're almost trying to fill a void? Of course. I mean, we're trying to either fill a void or quiet, that inner voice that is saying like, this isn't working. You need to do something different um, because it's hard. Change is hard. Uh, or let me reframe that. Thinking about change is hard. Once you start change, it's usually much better than the whole thinking about it part of it. Um, and I think that goes to almost any change that we're making. Like once we're engaged and we're moving and we're doing the thing and we're not just overthinking it to death, uh, it's much more enjoyable than we even thought it might be. So, yeah. Our listeners can't see you, but on Zoom right now, you just have the most minimalistic, 
beautiful home behind you. Well, let me just say a little disclaimer that I just moved here. So that's why for one reason it looks like this. Although anytime I am on a Zoom or Skype with family, they're like, so are you going to put anything on the walls? Like, what's the plan for the walls? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe not. Not until I there's something I really, I'm not going to put it on the wall just because things are supposed to go on the wall. Do you get a gut feeling now? Like if you love a piece of artwork, you're going to buy it? Or are those decisions really hard for you because of these kind of conditions you've set in your life? It's not hard. They're just, it's usually that I don't want it. Like, I feel like there are so many things I can appreciate without owning, especially Mm -hmm. art. um, Because I am, I love great art and I love appreciating it and looking at it and creating it. Um, but I don't need to hang it on my wall to get just sheer joy from it. I need to practice more restraint in that way. I'm interested in hearing more about your books. So you have two books, the most recent being Project 333. Does that just delve more into how to apply this practice of living simply to your closet and your life? Yes. So the first book was called Soulful Simplicity. And there was a chapter in Soulful Simplicity called uh, Simple is the New Black. And it was all about Project 333. And that's where the Project 333 book grew from, from this one chapter. And it really, you know, not only just talks about the rules and how to implement it, but considers all of the questions and objections and concerns that have come up over the last many, many years and addresses those. So I can almost guarantee that whoever is thinking about this right now, whatever is coming up for them is answered in the book. So whether that be weather or weight fluctuation or um, work, you know, different wardrobe for work versus home, like I can almost promise that the answer to your question is in the book about Project 333. And while you can do it, the challenge for free without even looking at the book or anything else, just putting it into practice, this again, just alleviates a lot of those concerns. Do you have a Kindle or do you buy paperback books? You take me as a reader, both. Both. I love supporting authors as an author. And even before I was an author, um, so I will, like, I, I do get books from the library, but I will always support authors um, by buying and sharing and celebrating and supporting their books. So as a plant-based food blogger, I'm super interested how you apply this concept of simple living to the food that you eat. Do you have a super short shopping list? Do you eat out? Do you have like a food budget? Well, I will tell you that a long time ago, I tried to create a, kind of like a project 333 for food called like the kitchen capsule or the capsule kitchen. And I didn't enjoy it at all. And so I bailed. I really enjoy cooking and food and I didn't want to limit myself there. That said, I'm also not a fan of like, what's for dinner? That question and never have been and trying to think up something new all the time. So I'm a big proponent of meal repeating. So I usually have the same thing for breakfast or the same thing for lunch for a while, and then I'll switch it up. And I've, especially in the beginning with my diagnosis, I did a lot of diet experimenting and did, um, you know, a lot of 
vegan eating, a lot of raw eating, a lot of just vegetarian eating. And I'm constantly questioning that too. Like what makes me feel good and what doesn't? And is it worth it if it doesn't from time to time? And trying not to get too stressed out about it as well, because I think that's the biggest problem with food and eating. If you combine that with any kind of diet culture mentality, or, you know, even a lot of the, like, eat this food and you are going to be cured of all of these things. Um, there's a lot of pressure and stress around that, uh, that we put on ourselves. So I try to be mindful of that aspect as well. Um, so yes, sometimes I order in, I'm not dining out right now, but I like to dine out. Uh, but usually I cook right now. Do you find because you've created all of this space in your life, even limiting the decisions you have to make on a day-to-day basis, that it improves your productivity, especially as a business owner, someone who writes a blog? Sometimes, sometimes I've been actually really paying attention, close attention to time and how I'm spending my time because I have so much freedom with it. Like I get to decide when I have appointments and when I don't, if I want them at all, and then how I run my business and the time that I put into it. And as structured as I have tried to be in the past, because I have the flexibility to have the structure, which then gives me more flexibility. But if I try to structure it too much, then it feels too controlling and I can't get anything done. Um, And I also notice that there is definitely like a, a flow in my work and I'm sure you notice it too. And sometimes that flow is not there. And even if you really try hard and you have a set amount of time to work on writing or creating or shooting recipes, if you're not in it and the flow's not there, it's just a slog to get through it. And I'm trying to pay more attention to that so that I can work when things are flowing more freely, creatively. Uh, And then it's, it's almost like a breeze to get things done. So it's not it never works the same way every day. I can have one day that feels nice and easy and great. And another day that I'm like, what, why am I even doing this? I don't know how to put sentences together. (laughs) I totally resonate with that because I find some days I'm like an energizer bunny and can get like a week's worth of work done in a day. And then others, I find that I can't even bring myself to sit down at my laptop. So I hear you there. One of my last questions, though, that I wanted to get in is whether you buy souvenirs when you travel, because I feel like I have it in my head that I need to purchase something from where I go to remember the trip by. I'm not a souvenir person anymore at all. Um, I would rather like enjoy a meal somewhere when I travel to really remember it. Of course, I take pictures And I am a journaler, like I write almost every day. And so I think I capture memories and feelings in that way as well, Um, but not a souvenir. Not that I wouldn't buy something if I was traveling, but it's not, I can almost guarantee it's not going to be like a little thing that you put on a shelf to look at. It's going to be something more practical. The more I talk to you, the more I'm getting this sense that you're extremely self-aware and that you've come to this through this journey of simplifying your life. Do you think that because people are bombarded, even now just growing up, I mean, I'm 28, so I was around when cell phones came on the market and the internet and we're bombarded every day. And I feel like in some sense we lose 
knowing ourselves and knowing what we like because we're so it's true. being dictated by society, right? So do you think you've come to know who you are as a person and what you actually appreciate? Yeah, I'll tell you that we were doing that long before cell phones, like busying ourselves with anything possible so that we didn't have to really know and really know what we want and really trust ourselves as well. Like this whole second guessing thing that we do when we hear from the inside what we want and then we shut it down is, is not a result of cell phones or, or Instagram, although that makes it much more challenging, but that's been going on forever. Like we can distract ourselves with just about anything, but when we start making the space and start asking the tough questions or asking any questions and really connecting with ourselves and learning how to trust ourselves, we get answers and they're not always great to be honest. Like it's not easy work and it sounds all lovely and wonderful to know yourself and trust yourself, but it's hard. Like it's really hard and it, but it's in looking at it in the big picture, it's fantastic. Like that's how you live a meaningful life and be true to yourself and know what matters to you. But it is hard. It's much easier to scroll Instagram and watch Netflix. No question. Um, but once you know that you can connect with yourself and that you can trust yourself, it's really hard to go back. So it's like holding a mirror up to yourself and what you're seeing isn't necessarily always great, but you'd rather Maybe. know that what does matter to you most now out of creating a meaningful life? Like what, what are the things that get you up during the day. Yeah. My people for sure. Um, the people in my life really matter to me. My work really matters to me. Um, feeling good matters to me. A great night of sleep really matters to me. Um, being fascinated or in awe. Like I could watch the sunset every single night and never be like, Oh, there goes the sun again. Like I just want to be swept away by things like that and have the freedom to do that. So that like to be able to show up in a moment, hard, easy, good, bad, whatever, just to be, to be able to be there really present, that matters to me. I think that is a perfect way to wrap this up because it's just so beautifully put. So if people want to find your book, read your amazing blog, where can they find you? They can find me um, at bemorewithless.com and on Instagram at bemorewithless. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the plant pod. I so appreciate it. This was, I want to go clean my closet now. So I'm going <laughs> to have to get the book. I'll be right over to help you. Well, folks, that is it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the plant pod. If you're anything like me, you are running to your closet to <laughs> clean out your clothes and take an audit. I'll be sure to link Courtney's book in the show notes and I'll see you next week.